we have spoke a sermon about five, six months ago pertaining to the benefits of tradition. And so we want to make it a tradition every first Sunday, if possible, of every month to partake of communion. So we'll be doing that upon completion of the sermon. Psalm 72, verse 14. It says there, He will rescue them from oppression and violence. And here's the key. For precious is their blood in his sight. For precious is their blood in his sight. The Moffat Bible translation, rather than saying for precious is their blood in his sight, says they are not cheap to him. Talking about us, his saints, his people. They are not cheap to him. That's why I have my title. No cheap sheep. Okay? Father, I pray for the sheep that are here today. Maybe those that may not know you yet, Lord God, that you would convert them here today and they would be valuable and worthwhile to you because we know you died on the cross, Lord God, enable, to enable us to be forgiven of our sins and enter into your very presence, into your heavens, here in prayer, but also someday when we'll see you, the sweet by and by. We love you and praise you in your name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. No cheap sheep. The theme is the worth of a man or the worth of a woman. See, most people, they tend to have a very insignificant view regarding their self-worth. Okay? Did you hear what I said? A lot of individuals, and as I was wrestling with this message, asking God, God, but it's so simple, as I often say. But God kept telling me, there's people here, there's going to be there today that they're struggling with their self-worth. They're struggling with their significance. So he kept me going. And throughout the whole course of this service already, I've heard words and confirmation towards this sermon, so I feel comfortable now in regard to this message. But again, people tend to, to you know, minimize their significance in life, Christians included. I want to throw that in. Christians included. Sometimes we belittle our own selves. Even myself, I'm a pastor, sometimes I think, well, man, you know, I've been here 20-some years. We should have a bigger church. All that kind of stuff will come through my mind. Those things pass. Uh, so we struggle with these issues, these things. Now, a lot of us, we view humanity as low down and rotten to the core. Many of us wouldn't pay uh, or, uh, and shell out too much at an auction for the human heart. Did you hear what I said? If we were at an auction for the human heart, we wouldn't shell out too much money because we have a low-down, dirty view of humanity. But not so with Almighty God. All human blood is precious in His sight, the Scripture says. All human blood, every one of us. What is man, the psalmist goes on to say in, in chapter 8, verse 4, that thou art mindful of him? Uh, well, today we're going to find out the worth of a man. What is the value and the worth of a man? That's my theme here for today. We're going to find out how valuable souls and people and man is to God. See, it's very important to always understand that God has always, always an infinite concern for all humanity. He loves us with an everlasting love. From ordinary men to so-called extraordinary men. God loves them all. And all the same. Those of you that are parents, you understand that. Uh, sometimes 
you know, when, when somebody, one of the siblings might get something different than the other one, you love her more, you like her more. No, 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 parents, we love them all the same. Or we should if we have God's love. Uh, so God loves all. The book of James admonishes us as believers to think and to be like God uh, and to treat all people as God does with no distinction. Matter of fact, let me read to you uh, uh, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. All right, because God treats man with no distinction. Okay, he is not prejudiced. Uh, everybody's the same. God has no cheap sheep. Everybody is valuable to him, and we should treat men as such as well. James chapter 2, verse 1 says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here, it's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Uh, see, God's appraisal of man is far, far different than how we appraise one another or each other. Okay? If you own a house, you know what I'm talking about, appraisals. Hallelujah. And most of you should start learning more about appraisals. Hallelujah. Uh, and you will. See, man continually sets up a caste system, a, a, a social order, if you will. And when I was in school, we were studying about how India, the country of India, has a caste system, the untouchables and what have you. Uh, the untouchables are not just the Chicago guys. Uh, they're also in India uh, for us victory outreach types. But we, man has a way of setting up a, a, a social order. Politicians, they love to play this game. Business people, entrepreneurs, they love, you know, the social strata. Even ministers and even preachers like to set up a, a, a somewhat like a caste system. I'm reminded of a story I said many years ago, I want to say it now, about a guy who, who, who preached every Sunday morning, he preached his heart out, and there was a little old lady in the congregation who was really, really hard to stir up, really hard to get her, 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 her attention, so to speak. She, she wouldn't lodge just anybody. But one day the pastor preached up a, a storm. God moved tremendously. People were broken. And at the end of the sermon, this little old lady finally, after years of being in the man's congregation, she finally came up to him and says, You know, Reverend McGillicuddy, I just got to tell you. And I don't just throw, you know, my, my pearls to just anybody. But finally, I, I, today, you know what, especially after today, she says, I want you to know that I believe, and I've been around a long time, that you're one of the greatest preachers in the whole world. And man, he was like, you know, you know how it is when you're driving home to the pastor, right, Joseph? And he's just driving, and he's all excited. He's like, you know, having one of those, now the kids are in the back seat, and he's like, ah. and then he's thinking, and he says, of what it had just happened there, and he, and he, he asked his wife, you know, honey, I wonder how many great preachers there are in this world. And this is what wives are for. And the wife just keeps looking straight ahead, and she says, well, I really couldn't tell you, but I just, I will tell you there's one lesson, you think. <laughs> huh? Hallelujah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. God is no respecter of persons, the scriptures teach us. He's not biased. And all, all his sheep 
are not cheap to him. Everybody's the same. Are you with me? All appraisals, he, he appraises us, all of us, as worth, and, and we all have value. We're invaluable to him. Our worth eclipses the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sight of God. Did you hear what I said? Our worth eclipses all the sun, the moon, and the stars in his eyes, in his sight. Now, we live in an age that <clears throat> it does all it can to, to uh, contradict that very claim, the worth of man. We live in that kind of an age where people want to look down on you, especially if, if you're from the in a sense, or when you were growing up, your, your parents would say, you're, no, you're never going to amount to nothing. Uh, you're not wor worth, a, worth a peanut. Uh, people t and we live in that kind of society. When the worth and the value of an individual seems to be at an all-time low, where computers can replace hundreds of individuals, that doesn't do too much for a person's self-esteem and self-worth. Sorry, we've got to fire you. We've got to lay you off. We'll pay you off, but we're going to lay you off. Uh, because we got this real nice Apple computer. Uh, gonna take your job. Uh, yes, man is quite a rather dark and dismal character. Granted, we can be. That's what the Bible speaks about in Jeremiah. Uh, there is not a single crime that man has not committed, nor a law that man has not broken. Are you with me? There's not a single crime. A man, humanity has not broken. There's not a single law man has not broken as well. Yet, on the other side, man is also capable of many a number of heroic acts. However low a man may sink, and he or she can, can commit some of the low-down dirty schemes, man still has within him the ability to become a hero and a saint. Understand that. We have the capacity uh, to become a hero and a saint, and God knows that. God understands that. You need to know that here today. See, Victory Outreach Ministries is proof positive of that. It was said of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, that he had a, an uncanny ability to spot potential in every individual. That's like Pastor Sonny, uh, our founder. He had an uncanny way of spotting potential in everybody. Because he was looking at it through Psalm 72, 14. See, and all that can only be accounted to and attributed to the love of God and his belief in the worth of man. I've mentioned that in Hebrews 11. The very first individual mentioned in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith, it has a list of uh, individuals that, that, that were men and women of faith. But the very first person mentioned in verse 3 of Hebrews 11 is God himself. God is the very top of the list when it comes to faith. Why? Because he believes he has faith in humanity, in you and I. He's got to be at the top of the list if he believes in us. Uh, get out of the way, David. Get out of the way, Moses. God's got to be on top because he believed in somebody, mud balls, like you and I. He's at the top of the list. Mm, he believes in mud balls. <laughs> uh, I almost entitled this sermon, God Has No Insignificant Others. I'll let you breathe on that one a little while. I like that. He has no insignificant some, some, some of you have significant others. <laughs> I'm not going to go over there. See me after the service, and I'm going to marry you in my office or whatever. Um, but insignificant others, God has no insignificant others, not at all. To God, we're all super significant. To God, all of us are important, and all of us are influential. Now, some of you here today, and in your mind, in your heart, 
You're asking God the very things that Christ's disciples asked him when they were on the boat about to, to crash, they thought, in a heavy storm. I mean, you're in, you're in that very situation. When they were on the storm and in the boat, they, they woke Jesus up and they said, Jesus, cares not that we perish. Some of you are in that predicament today. You, you, you don't think Jesus cares for you. I got good news, gospel for you. God cares. He knows what you can be. Hallelujah. Got to be careful. Hallelujah. This is a strong one. Hallelujah. I don't know if some of you might remember. I don't know. If I was preaching at Sunday's church one time at a, at a men's conference, and I broke his pulpit. I haven't preached there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm careful now. But I, I'm the pastor here. Hallelujah. Here we go. I might not be preaching here for a while. Hallelujah. Let me take a few quick moments to show us just how valuable and noteworthy uh, we are to God. Okay, we humans are. First of all, I'm going to give you a few quick reasons why we're, we're important to God and how we're important to God. First of all, the universe and the galaxies that exist are made and they're centered around us. Think about it. All of creation is made for us. Ooh, I like this. We are the cream of creation. I like that. Uh, we're the cream of creation. Ah, uh, the apple of his eye. As vast and as great as space is, all those trillions upon trillions of miles, they cannot dwarf man into insignificance. I'm going to read that again. The trillions and trillions of miles that space has, that vast is actually, it cannot dwarf man into insignificance. We're not that small, people. Not when it comes to God. Uh, it really, all that really does is serve to exalt and enlarge man. Ooh, I gotta I got say that again. The vastness of space, all it really does is to show how, how big we really are. If that's big, we're bigger. Because God is more concerned with us. He knows how many hair are on our head. He knows when every leaf on every tree is going to fall. But he's more concerned with you and I. Um, see, space only speaks of the value and the worth of man. Because it's all there for you and I. It's there for us. Um, here in this midget little planet called Earth is to be found the most precious thing in all of creation. And it's called the human personality. This little midget thing called Earth, in comparison to all this space. Uh, but we're, it's very, very important here because human personality exists here, lives here. Then, secondly, we have the most intricate of God's creative forces, the human body. Okay, that's why we're important, because look at how big space is, but we're even bigger. Then also, we're, we're, we're of worth and value because of the way the human body is created. This mass of flesh and blood and water is truly a creative miracle. It's a creative miracle. Oh. The body is given the power to, to grow and even reconstruct itself. You cut yourself, but it, 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 you know, it'll heal itself by and large. Oh. It has all the necessary, necessary resources inside and out to maintain life day in and day out. At least for 90-some years. Pastor, amen. Uh, you can maintain itself. So then, thirdly, as well, man possesses the mental power and capacity that is above all creatures. Our mental state. The lion might be stronger than the elephant, 
The deer might be a little faster than us. But when it comes to intellectual powers, man stands alone. Uh, the intellect that we have and possess. The way God's created us. These few pounds up here on our head of matter, it's able to figure out how to navigate the air, the land, the sea, and under the sea. This little thing up here, a few pounds of mass. Thus, my friend, man is able not only to call Earth home, but also even to call the universe home. I don't want to lose you here. Home, east. Uh, see, because of, because of what God has given us here to think things out, we don't only call Earth home, but the whole universe is our home. Uh, because we can figure things out and calculate it uh, and travel. The mind of a man can uncover, recover, and discover all sorts of laws and principles in life. Thus, my friend, he's able to conquer these things and make his life fuller and more comfortable, more easier, and more richer because of the mind. Uh, I mean, now we have cars and all that stuff. We're able to drive uh, because of the mind, but it was able to do. But perhaps man's greatest distinction and his greatest ability and quality is that man is prone toward moral law. Moral law. It's probably our, our greatest you know, quality that we have that, that makes us distinct from other creatures. Okay? This moral proneness is what above all else separates man from beast. And only we have a mind, good physical, the space, this is ours. But we're separated from beasts because we have, we have morals. We should have morals anyway. See, at the very center of man's core values is this thing called conscience. It allows us to do this and prohibits us to do that. Conscious. Are you with me? I don't want to lose you here. Um, that's what we, we have. Beasts don't have that. Uh, dog eat dog. Uh, hallelujah. Oh, good, you didn't catch that. Uh, dogs, they don't care. Uh, animals, they don't care. Uh, beasts, uh, you know. But man, we, have, we, have, we should have moral scruples up here. Uh, yet, uh, the, it, you know, in other words, Consciousness, conscious simply will not permit us to travel alone with our evil ways going totally unchecked. Understand what I said there? Our consciousness, our, our moralness will not allow us to travel down life with, with, with everything unchecked. Just do whatever you want to. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. No! Uh, God save the Isley brothers. Uh, it's my thing, but I just can't do what I want to do. Uh, if I do, I'm going to end up like I used to. Canada! Front and center. Oh, my goodness. Ah, no. Then, man is capable and able to dream dreams. But not just little dreams. Great dreams. Big things. We're going to knock down the walls. We're going to turn this thing into a campus. Uh, we're going to take the world for Jesus. Ah, like Pastor Ed would say, hallelujah. Well, we belong to a, a great dream, the, the dream and the vision of Victory Outreach. Uh, thank God for Pastor Sonny having that, that, that vision and that dream. But we're able to be a part of that. So man is able to, and capable of doing that. Not only dreaming it, but fulfilling it. Chasing after that dream till it comes to pass. Joseph was a dreamer. Jacob as well. And Jacob was a lot like a number of Victory Outreach characters. Because Jacob had quite a chilly past. Uh, he did. He had, like some of us, Jacob was a lie, he was a cheat, he was a conniver. Yet, 
though he was all that, a low-down, dirty, human scoundrel, Jacob was, still God saw worth in him. Uh, low-down, dirty scoundrel. Jacob dreams about God, about angels descending and, and ascending uh, from heaven to earth. Uh, and even though uh, there is a lot of rascal and, and, and conning within Jacob, God still saw plenty of good within him, as only God can, as God sees in you and I here today. Understand that. God sees good in you. God sees potential in you. Uh, I mean, every time you give and you tithe, that's not ordinary. You're coming against the grain. Uh, but that's, that's the, the chivalrousness in you saying, you know what, I, you know, look at me, devil. Where's that Ezra fund? Give me, give me that thing. Uh, you're going against the grain. Uh, but that's chivalrous. That's heroic. Because you're given to, to a cause greater than ourselves. Uh, and in a church like this, every penny counts, I'm telling you. Uh, see, let it be known. God still loves us and believes in us just as much as he loved us and believed in us the day we got saved. That's a quote from Pastor Sonny. I don't know when he spoke the other day. It was either at the marriage retreat, Josie, I think that's, or else at the, at the regional elders meeting. Pastor Sonny, that, that really hit me when Sonny said that. Uh, that God still loves us. Pastor Sonny's been saved 30-some years. I've been saved going on 29 years in just a few days. But God, and, and that hit me. Uh, that God still loved me and you and everybody else, Pastor Sonny, the same amount of love that he loved us the day we got saved, the moment we got saved. He still loves us the same. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We change sometimes. We think, oh man, nobody could love me. I'm so dirty. I'm a scum to trouble. And I'm a Christian. He does. He does. He still loves us the same. And that's good to know. This is a real simple sermon. That's good to know. The worth of a soul. Uh, see, when we study the life of Christ, we'll see, my friend, how that he would preach to the multitudes his message of salvation. Why? Because he believed every one of them could be saved. See, some teachers will only pick certain students certain pupils, certain, you know, oh, this was good, this was, oh, I'll pick this one. This one, this one. Certain teachers would do that and still do that, but not Jesus. He preached to everybody and let the chips fall where they may, hallelujah. Uh, let the gospel seed flourish and, and come to fruition and surface. Because he believed everybody could be saved. He believed everybody could go to heaven. He believed everybody could be good. He believed everybody had potential. He believed everybody could be courageous. He believed everybody could be chivalrous. Everybody! Wow. Again. Wow. Diane, when God saw you walking down that street, man, other people saw her, but man, she's here today. God saw something. That's why God had us pray for her. Saw the potential. And other people had given up there, probably, no doubt. Ah, uh, let's go on, hallelujah. Uh, see, all, 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 all people, all people he, Jesus believed could continue in fellowship and discipleship with him. Don't let me lose you here. That's why he preached to the multitudes. 
Because he believed everybody could continue in fellowship and discipleship with him. In other words, everybody could make it to heaven. I had a homeboy of mine one time. Some of you have met him before, Louis Trinidad. Uh, when he got saved, some individual that had been in prison with him, we were talking one time, and we were in the room, and then Louis left the room to go someplace, and the guy goes right away, because he grew up with Louis. He goes, hey, Steve. He says, I can't use some of the words that he used. He goes, those guys still talk, you know, that lingo. He goes, hey, I didn't even think Louis had the sense to get saved, eh? You know that that guy's one of the most dynamic preachers in, 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 in the penal system institution of California today? Everybody looks forward to having Louis come. He goes into Pelican Bay now. And, and every time he comes in, he says, Steve, it all started with you, man. Because he used to take me to prison, Steve. You know? He's, he, he goes into all the jails, and, and, he, and he preaches up a storm. The guy, and he's very intellectual now. Uh, and all the guys are like amazed. Because God sees potential and worth every one of us. Uh, remember the Samaritan woman in, at the well? Talk about what many would label as a low life. This woman fit the bill. And Larry and Harry and Sammy and Tommy. And currently it was a Johnny. I think I lost you right there. I like that one. Uh, that woman fit, fit the bill. And Larry and Harry and Gary and Tommy. And now it was Johnny right now. Uh, but God knows that there's something of much worth in all of humanity that is able to listen and to hear God's voice, then somehow faithfully respond to his voice. Some of you have heard the story of Nikki Cruz. Some of you have seen the movie, The Cross of the Switchblade. Nikki went to, to, to a service, a rally, not to hear the message, not to hear the service. He went for a gang fight. Uh, they went to the mom's house, they were going to down with a with bishop, and they were, they were going to meet there in the, in the place, they were going to kill, they were going to do all kinds of stuff inside the, the rally, the church rally. Uh, but then there's things begin to happen. Uh, and it's the truth, Nikki will tell you this is the truth. When they were finally going to fight, Nikki stands up and he says, no, 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 stop! Not yet! Don't you hear the preacher? I hear the preacher! And he's coming through! Matter of fact, David Orkerson writes a book later on. He titled it, Preacher, You're Coming Through. Because preachers can come through. But have you, haven't you ever heard me say, if you haven't, you're going to hear me right now. I often say, as I'm speaking to you, there's another voice speaking to you. That's the voice of God. And God knows you can hear him. God knows you need to respond to him. Uh, that's the mastery of God. That's the artistry of the voice of God, what he's able to do. God never minimizes the value and the worth and the ability to perform great feats of any man or of any woman. Again, I repeat, that's why he's first in Hebrews 11. The humblest individual is quite capable uh, of deeds and actions that will make our race proud of those individuals. Every one of us. We're very capable of doing heroic deeds that would make all our human race proud of us. That's why at any given time, any of us here today could rise to an opportunity, you know, of, of self-sacrifice and in the eyes of God be tomorrow's heroes. I know I lost you, so I'm going to repeat that. 
at any given moment, God knows that any number of us or even one of us or two of us, we could, we could listen to what God has for us, we could, we could surface to that, and we could rise to the occasion and be tomorrow's heroes. That happened to Chucky. He's not here with us no more. Why? He heard the voice of God. Go to Indonesia. Uh, let me tell you something. There's a church here where we're going to do some stuff here. Uh, there's more Chucky's where that came from. God knows that. There's more Richards. There's more Daryls. There's more Alberts there. Wasn't Albert great uh, three weeks ago, well, two weeks ago when he preached here? Isn't he bad? Can the guy bring it? And there he was in the coro. All he wanted to do was be governor of California. Terrible. Ah, uh, governor of California. Uh, any gray individual could do that. Praise God. <laughs> it was said of John Wesley when he died, when John Wesley passed on, that he left behind, all he left behind was a small little beat up house, a beaten down Bible, a worn out old horse, a torn up coat, cloak, $120. And, and, and one other thing. What was it? Oh, yeah, 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 I remember. A whole Methodist denomination. Ah, it came to my mind now. Nah. Photoplasm up here. Uh, a whole Methodist denomination. The power of one man. What are they going to say about you when you pass on? What will they say? Ah. Uh, Finally, as I conclude, just in case you're still having trouble understanding your value and your worth to God, the worth of anything can be seen by its cost. Uh, and it cost Jesus a whole lot. Uh, we've been bought with a heavy price. See, if only we could continually come to grips with how much it cost God to redeem us. Hmm, I don't want to lose you, so I'm going to read that again. Are you with me? If only you and I could come to grips with how much it costs God to buy us back, to redeem us, to save us. Then we would be a whole lot slower to sell ourselves out to drugs and drink and lust and immoral sex and gold and materialism. If we could only come to grips with how much it costs God, how much value uh, we're really, really worth. We wouldn't sell ourselves out cheap. See, to me, this is the whole basis and premise of the sermon. That upon seeing how much we are worth, we then won't go around selling ourselves short to any and all temptations. It costs God too much to give in to sin. But you've got to understand. That's why the simple, simple little sermon can be very, very powerful. When you understand how much it costs you, and we just turn our backs on him like it's nothing, sell him cheap. God has no cheap sheep. We cost God a whole lot to buy us back. It's been said that it wasn't nails that kept Jesus on the cross, but his commitment. And the reason Jesus was willing and able to suffer all that he did on the cross was because he believed you were worth it. He believed you could make it to heaven, no matter what the devil tells you. We're not cheap sheep. Again, to understand that should keep us from our cheap surrender to the forces of temptations in our life. Dennis and Judy Waller, who attend our church here, 
And I want to use him here as an example in that I don't really know if this comes down. But if they ever go to a restaurant, and I'm sure they do, I'm pretty sure they do because God prospered them. When they were younger, I can imagine Donovan, Jennifer, all of them going to, going to the restaurant there because God's blessing them now. And I can imagine when they sit down, when it comes time for dessert, I believe Judy would say these words to her children. Don't order the apple pie. I'm going to let that sit in your palate a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Why I believe your aunt, Judy, would probably tell all your little cousins, don't order the apple pie. And I'll tell you why. Time's up. Because Dennis makes the best apple pie this side of heaven. <laughs> There's no comparison. Judy's much as much as he in comparison to your dad, forget about it. Uh, not even a Marie Callender. Marie Callender ain't got none of, nothing on Dennis Waller. Have any of you ever had his apple pie? It's good. It is good. Uh, and that's the way it should be. In other words, this is apple pie. Why go for the fried ice cream with chopsticks? All the temptation, all that. No, 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 no. Don't be little God when you're out there wanting and, and sinning and, and, and grinning and all that stuff. See, it all comes down to the fact that we are precious. Not necessarily because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. And ultimately, man is valuable and precious because of where he's going if you're born again. If you're a Christian, heaven. When you love someone, and they mean a whole lot to you, from the honeymoon on, Lenny, you want to take them to as many prime and exotic places as possible. Say amen, Lisa. That's why, that's why he's gone to prepare a place for us. And I'm talking about Lenny. Hallelujah. Huh? He's gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, there we might be also prime, exotic, beautiful places. We were talking about heaven today. Heaven's going to be a place when time shall be no more. You can hear my sermons on sermons. I can preach forever. Uh, you won't have to worry about time. Go on, bro. Keep it going. Go on. Amen. Uh, heaven in all its splendor uh, and desirable acquisitions awaits us. Why? Because God believes you're worth it. We are not cheap sheep. So shall you ever eat at the king's table. And not just in heaven only, but here on earth. God wants to bless you out of your thoughts. We're supposed to always, we're supposed to be prosperous people. Successful people. Because God believes in that. Listen, some of you got to understand the mentality. Some of you are going to own businesses soon and very soon. You're going to own houses soon and very soon. God can do that. I came into the men's home with a little shopping brown bag. I never opened it. I think when I get to heaven, that might be after I see Jesus for a few thousand years. The next thing he might do is show me that bag. Look at what you had. This made me trip. Uh, 
And then he'll show me all that he's given me. Wow. Wow. Ah. So along the way, people, don't order the apple pie. Don't order the apple pie. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to pray first and foremost. Nobody moving around, please, please. This is the most important part of the service. While I'm speaking, there's another voice speaking. Who knows how to cook up a storm of a life and quell it and stop it and sustain us through it all. As every head is bowed, every head is closed, Spirit of God, moving to ministry, you save brother, save the sermon. Just for me. Be open and very honest with yourself right here. I've been questioning my significance. I've been questioning my God has ministered to my life here today. They are not cheap to him, scripture says. Every hit is bound, every eye is closed. For precious is their blood in his sight. I pray you, you've come to grips with the value and your worth in the sight of God. And don't minimize the price he paid for you. He'll follow you. The hound dog of heaven, the Holy Spirit will follow you wherever you go. Hounding you and loving you. Say, you have potential. I have this for you. I have that for you. Let your conscience play a major role here today in this sermon. And let it lead you to the presence of God, to the power of God. As every head is bowed, never ask the Spirit of God, moving to ministry, just say, Brother Steve, I desire for you to pray for me here this morning. I need to get right with God. I need to understand my significance in His sight. And I want you to pray for me. God has really ministered to me here today. In this simple, simple, childlike sermon, the love of God has spoken deep to my heart. If that's you, you want me to pray for you from all over this place, I'm going to ask you very quickly, because every head is bowed and every head is closed, stand to your feet right there where you're at. I'm not going to have you to raise your hand and this sermon was for you and you want me to pray for you. I'm simply going to ask you to right now stand to your feet right there where you're at and allow me the privilege to pray for you. On this Sunday, this first day of revival, four-day revival of Timothy Argonzoni, starting tonight. Anybody else? Many people are standing, but I believe there could be others. You're struggling with your worth, your significance in life. But God has ministered to your life and to your heart directly directly and you want me to pray for you you want to culminate the sermon in prayer and you wish for me to pray for you maybe you're not saved maybe you're not born again maybe you need forgiveness of sins God loves you God loves you don't order the apple pie don't order the apple pie there's no comparison God has no insignificant other we're all significant to him every one of us right of Christ. 
Anyone else? This is my last call before we pray. I'm going to be including this prayer. You want me to pray for you? You haven't stood up yet. Many are standing, but I know that there's others. You want to stand at this time and be included in this prayer. I'm going to ask you right now as well to stand your feet and allow me the opportunity to pray for you. Anybody else you want to stand and be included in this prayer, quickly stand right now and we're going to say a prayer. Hallelujah. That's it. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Praise God. Now I'm going to ask those of you standing to take a second step. Very quickly, we're having communion this morning. I want you to come and stand here at this altar. Slip out of your seat and come and stand here at this altar. Everybody that's standing, come on, quickly come. We didn't nail this sermon home. I need to drive it home. Quickly come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else, if you need to come, quickly step out of your seat. Come inside of this altar. Let me pray for you. The rest of you, would you stand, please? Stretch your hands forth this way. Let me say a prayer. Those of you at the altar, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your proof in my life of how valuable I am, how significant I am to your scheme on this planet. I ask you to forgive me as I belittle my own self and I wonder, not necessarily just what life's all about, but I wonder. what I'm all about. My life is in your hands. I don't want to wonder anymore. I surrender to you. Do with me of your good pleasure. Not my will, but your will be done. Use me for your honor and glory. Not my plans, but your plans and your dreams be my dreams. Jesus, use me to the fullest capacity while I'm on this planet. And I thank you for inviting me to your heavens, to your presence. Jesus, Give me a distaste for any other apple pie but yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. From this moment on, forgive me of all my sins. I open up my heart. I invite you to come in. Take control of my life your honor and glory from this moment on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.